Welcome back to LPD Cast. I'm your host, Eloy Garcia, and today's guest is Dr. Patti Ramirez, founder and CEO of Colibri and Wild Luna Botanicals. Welcome, Patti. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Can you talk to us about the work that you do? Yes. You know what? That always feels like such a loaded question because my heart work is just so expansive and and I'll share with you like what I mean by that. Um so as you know, I am the founder of both Colibri, which is a grassroots organization, and Waluna Botanicals, which is a self-care wellness lifestyle brand. And both of these became my way of reimagining how we heal and lead, right? And so Colibri is, you know, something that I birth because I had experienced uh, burnout. I had experienced, you know, the ways in which harm, you know, shows up, whether in grad programs, whether in organizations and social justice work and the movement. And so I needed to create a healing-centered organization for that reason, because I needed it for myself. And igual, you know, the same with Waluna Botanicals, Everything that I make is because I needed it first. And my goal is to help make items for others that help them reconnect to their intuition, their medicina. Um, So it's just, it's amazing work that I get to do. And, you know, aside from that, I do a lot of um, curriculum development, training, facilitation around indigenous rites of passage work. And so that work, it just fuels my my heart and I'm so passionate about that. So I can't wait to share with all your listeners. I'm excited. And what does being a founder and a CEO mean to you? Yes, you know what? It's so funny because I feel like I have a habit, a pattern of birthing things. Since I was a young high school student, I created my own organizations, my own clubs. I remember back then I created a club called Diverse Roots, and it was all about helping people connect to their cultura. Wow. In college, I created, you know, I founded my sorority, my multicultural sorority. So I've been in this pipeline of entrepreneurship, of birthing things that were not there. For me, as a founder, I have the unique opportunity to meet a gap that I identified. And for me, it's it's gaps that I needed, things that maybe I noticed were not available, and I wanted to do something about it. And, you know, for me, being a founder also means, you know, bringing in others to co-create with me. That's kind of my approach with everything that I do, really. Wow, that's really wonderful. And it resonates so much. I'm a student at CSUSB and myself, along with some colleagues, founded the current LGBTQ plus student organization on campus. And those processes aren't easy. For you having done that in high school and then continuing to do that through higher ed, what was it like for you learning how to do that while you were doing it, learning along the way? What was that like for you? You know, I think for me, it was exciting because I love learning. Um, This is my Sagittarius vibes showing um, for anyone (laughs) that's into astrology. I love learning. I love finding new ways of doing things. I love exploring how things work. And I think for me, everything has been always from a place of curiosity, like a ver, let's see how we can make this happen. Like, who can I ask? Who can support me? It's always been about asking for support because I think, you know, which is actually maybe contrary to what many of us have been told, you know, like you pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Here in the U.S., it's all about the individual thriving versus a collective. And so... I was like, no, like we, we need a different way. Like for me, my cultura, Mexican and Salvadorian and indigenous. And so there's a lot of like collectivism. It was about co-creating in community. And I've always been creating communities, 
you know, like whether it was in high school with this club or with my multicultural sorority or even with my organization, I'm always building an ecosystem mm. for us because, you know, I, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I went to USC for grad, for my doctorate and for my master's. And in both spaces, I didn't feel like they were made for me because right. they weren't, right? Right. So I was very intentional about, you know, figuring out how can I make this for me? Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. Thank you. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that saying that pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is not always true. When we scratch the surface of even some of the most successful people that we think did it by themselves or along the way, we realize that maybe their parents had capital and lent them hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or more, or connected them to people that really allowed them to create whatever product or whatever company has made them so widely successful and like rich essentially. So that whole concept of do it on your own, is really like a lie, you know? And it took me quite a while to realize that what it actually is, is keeping a lot of people isolated and then forcing us to feel like we have to do it alone when some of the most successful people have always had community to build them up and to help them and to have them go from A to B. So why are we being told this story or why are we holding ourselves to this standard that some of the most successful people in life will actually say the opposite or have had the opposite experience. Yeah. And I, you know, thank you for validating. It, it is a hundred percent a lie, right? As you were talking, like it made me think about, um, and I don't want to give, you know, the, the comments so much like energy, but I remember feeling so upset when I heard that quote from Kim Kardashian around, you know, like, what will you tell women in business? And she's like, people need to get out there and work. So many people don't want to go out there and work and you need to get your ass up essentially. Right. And I was like, what? Yeah. You get to pay people to take care of all of these different aspects of your business when we are made to feel like we need to do all of it ourselves. And many of us do. And many of us are now starting to recognize that we are not meant to do this alone. Yeah. I'm such a DIYer. I have done my logo. I have built my websites and now I'm in a space where, you know what? I deserve ease too. Who can I pull in from my network? Who can I pull in from my community? Who this is their gift, you know, and how can we co-create so that they're uplifting me and I'm uplifting them and we're all a beat uplifted at the same time. Absolutely. And I agree, you know, coming from someone who grew up in Calabasas, that means a lot, right? Like we need to take that comment with a grain of salt because you know, their own family is their own community. So, you know, with that being said, we'll move on to more um, <laughs> influential people whom I think um, really work in the same space as you as far as community building. You know, we've had a guest and a member of the LPD cast family. His name is Fernando. And he created with his partner and with his community from Venezuela an LGBTQ comic. And now they've branched out into other comics and they have a whole brand called Craven Comics. And another member of the LPD cast family, his name is Brian Mapenzi. He also talks about why it's so important to have play and to have leisure in our lives to balance out all of the hard work that we do, because I personally don't know anyone who quote unquote doesn't want to work. (laughs) I'm so happy that you're a guest here because so much of what you've said even so far resonates as far as the creation of LPD cast. As a first-gen student, I wanted to learn how to navigate higher ed. And as a fan of podcasts, I didn't find a product out there that was having conversations that were focused on Black and Brown people, on Indigenous people, on first-gen students, and how to persevere in these systems, like you said, that weren't created for us. So I saw the need and I filled it, right? And here we are two years later, still going strong and having wonderful conversations with guests like you, So I'm so happy and grateful that you're here. 
thank you for being here and sharing this time with you because as a business owner, I know that you don't have a lot of extra time to spare. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And first of all, congratulations. Congratulations on and this amazing like hard trabajo that you that you continue to show up and do with your community. The fact that you and I are sitting here and are able to have this platica is a testament of what you are building and co-creating. So I just wanted all of us to make space and uplift LPD because you know you you are filling the gap. And I'm sure that the impact is felt and experienced in all the ways. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And on that note, can you talk to us about Colibri? What is the Colibri Institute? Yes. I mentioned earlier that I birth Colibri and I talk about I talk about everything I create in those terms mm. because it is a birthing. I kind of use my creative power in that way. So Colibri, it was um, first and foremost, my doctoral capstone in which I proposed that we needed an organization that integrated healing, social justice, and leadership development at the intersection of racial trauma work, you know, dismantling white supremacy work. And so this came from a lot of my own lived experience, but also a lot of research and even, you know, just expertise from the community around me that, you know, shared, yes, we we are in organizations, in social justice organizations where folks are being overworked, they're being exploited, oppression is showing up in many ways, and people are you know, experiencing higher rates of chronic illness, mental health, fatigue, burnout, and they're leaving the field altogether. And we're talking about, you know, social justice leaders, social workers, educators, counselors, attorneys. We're talking about, you know, a multi-professional context. And so I said, what would it look like? What is possible when we create an organization with the mission to uplift and sustain advocates and leaders by building an ecosystem of care, well-being, and healing, right? And that question, I mean, that that was really what led to Colibri of we need an organization that can go and do consulting work, coaching work, curriculum work, with communities, with organizations, with leaders, and it will create these containers for folks to reimagine healing and leading and integrating it in every aspect of their work, right? So that is Colibri. Colibri is hummingbird medicine. In many indigenous traditions, the hummingbird is the symbol for the warriors who died in battle. That's us. That we are the social justice warriors that are dying in battle. We are in survival mode. We are fighting. We are in these systems. I went to get my doctorate not because I I was so excited, you know, for um learning even though I am I love learning and it does excitement. My purpose to getting my doctorate, to getting my master's was so that I could survive in these systems. It was it was something I did to survive. And we don't just deserve to survive. We deserve to thrive. We deserve to heal. We deserve rest. We deserve ease, pleasure, like yeah. all of the good things, joy. We deserve all of that. And so that's what that's what we're co-creating here. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. It sounds like Colibri is a place where leaders can also have that healing work done simultaneously while they are teaching and leading themselves and in their communities. They're also able to heal in the process. And I think that's a part of the burnout is that like social workers, right? They're helping heal, they're helping their communities, but who's helping them? And it sounds like Colibri fills that need. Yeah. We, we get to support those that are doing the work. But we also get to remind folks that 
your work must include your own deep healing work, right? Because when we show up in survival mode, we cannot show up with integrity, which is why pay equity is so important in our organizations, which is why Healing Centered is not just about how we do our work, but it's also the infrastructure that supports our work. Right. So what does supervision look like? How do team meetings look like? How do our policies look like? Are they affirming to your whole experience as a human? Right. Right. So, yeah, all of all all of those um, things. It's been beautiful to just co-create and to build. And, you know, I'm excited because we just launched our coloring book. Um, It's called Color with Colibri. And we'll have a link for our Amazon. But this is a healing-centered coloring book for advocates and leaders. And it takes you through your own journey of, you know, coloring and doing affirmation work and doing journaling work. And it's meant to help you connect to your spirit, to your body, to your heart, and to your mind. Those are all of our aspects of us, right? And so it's beautiful. It was you know, I attribute, I acknowledge, you know, my Sisi, who is both an elder and an ancestor for you and I. Um, and she, you know, was the one who was constantly saying, spirit has to come first, you know, because you hear about this and you hear folks say, my body, heart, spirit. It almost rolls out the tongue like that because we are in a society where our mental is, is what is uplifted. But we are more than just our minds and our mental health, right? And so her thing was in our, you know, cosmovisions, in our relational worldview, the spirit is what sustains us. And we need to focus on the spirit, right? So the mind is the last one. The mind creates things for us. Um, maybe false illusions even I'm getting a little too spiritual (laughs) for folks but you know like yeah like I I think for me it was important to create even tools like color with colibri um, for folks to have ways to come back home to themselves in efforts not to be too long-winded both my experience in undergrad and master's and doctorate it felt like a disembodied experience And what I say, what I mean by that is, you know, things like imposter syndrome, things like feeling like I didn't belong, like I wasn't smart enough, like there was not enough room and space for me and for my ideas. Just like being told that I couldn't say white supremacy in my proposal defense for my capstone. Yikes. So things like that, like it made me not trust myself, not trust my intuition. And as a result, I I felt like I was fragmented, like I left my body in so many different ways because I was just in my mind. How can I say this in such a way, like whether I was writing a paper, like how can I say this so that I'm saying white supremacy, but I'm not saying it because they, they're not going to approve it. Right. And right. then ultimately I had to be like, I have to say white supremacy. Yeah. You know? That's a really good example of the stress that we go through in higher ed because, and I've mentioned this before, it's hypocritical for them to have those expectations and limitations on us. In higher ed, we're trained to be critical, you know, to think past the surface level, to really use our voice to create change. And when we do that, oftentimes we're silenced. So then, like you're saying, we have to do the mental gymnastics of, well, how can I say this without saying this? And that's the most hypocritical situation to be in, in higher ed, because we know that when we publish, someone else can publish and have their the response to what we wrote. So instead of putting a bridle on us and having us not say what we need to, just respond to it, mm-hmm. right? Go through the process instead of limiting what we can do and the work that we've done for so long. So um, congratulations on persevering through those systems and really finding yourself again, because it is a really disconnected experience when you have to be more than two different people at any given time. 
because of who you're around. And not only that, the implications of who you're going to make upset. You know, your professor holds a lot. Advisors hold a lot in their hands as far as students' experiences. So for us to have to be someone else just to get through is painful, like physically painful sometimes. Yeah. You are also a business owner. So why did you choose to start Wild Luna Botanicals? And what products do you have? Yes, you know, I started Wild Luna kind of like in the midst of the pandemic. And it was in a time where um, many of us were forced to come back and slow down and go within. And I noticed how hard that was for many, including myself. Right. And so for me, I didn't intend to create a business. It kind of happened from the community where, you know, I started to find ways to channel my creative energy. And I started making candles because I, you know, in a spiritual sense, I hold a lot of fire. And so I love candle work. And without even knowing, like what was happening because I wasn't, this was before I started officially or formally, you know, down the red road medicine path with, you know, Maestra Sisi and with other elders. I didn't know that this is what was happening, that it was kind of like this awakening of my medicine. Um, so, you know, I started to create candles for me because I just wanted to do it and not go to Bath and Body Works, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> suffer the all the smells. Um, yeah. Yeah. The fall is the worst time for me to go to that shop. <laughs> I'm Same. like, no. Same. Uh, miss it's me with gingerbread <laughs> and I don't know what else. I'm like, no, <laughs> give me the, the flowers. <laughs> um, yeah. So I started to create these candles and I... I would get my mom's because my mom has a garden and she has roses. I would grab her roses and just put them in there. Mm. And, um, you know, once I had a friend who was going through something and I gifted her a candle. And then after that, I had another friend who had a birthday coming up mm. and then I gifted her a candle. And then, you know, one of the friends came back to me and said, oh, my gosh, I love your candle. It's amazing. Could you make one for my friend? Her her uh, relative passed away, and I was like, "Okay, let let me like make something that's specific for like grief and heart, you know, tenderness and so forth." So I started like customizing these candles, and you know, people kept coming back and saying, "Can you make more?" I would buy these for you because at that point I was just gifting them. Yeah. Right. And so these were just normal candles. You know, I, I would add crystals and and herbs that kind of served an intention. But aside from that, I had not conceptualized that this could be a business. So long story short, people started asking me for more. And then, you know, I kind of was at a place where I'm like, what if I do this? I'm still in my doctorate program. Right. So this was in the midst of my doctorate program. I'm like, let's just, let me make something and see how the community responds. And so I integrated an affirmation practice with these candles and the rest was history. <laughs> like people love them so much. Um, so I do affirmation candles. I also made soaps, which was the original intention, right? It was supposed to be more like skincare. But the candles was really what people needed, the warmth, right? People needed to give back their warmth to themselves. Um, I also make soaks, like bath salts and soaks. So people can do hand or foot soaks, or even if you have a bathtub, you can do a bath, um, like a spiritual bath of some sort. I have a corazon tea blend um, and a couple of other things. I've created like moon manifesting candles and moon sprays. It's just a lot of self-care and healing items. And everything that I make is something that I need for myself. So I only make what I use personally. 
Um, and, you know, I hope that it resonates with folks, but I'm also, I'm always happy to co-create like custom items too. Um, so that's been just a part of like my creative outlet and, um, and it's beautiful to kind of see people be so impacted by these tools. That's really wonderful. And you also have wax melts. I actually have one of your candles here. The packaging is beautiful. Everything is really wonderful. They smell amazing. And I'd like to read it for our listeners. Yes. Maestra Sisi, who you've mentioned a couple of times and um, who is our ancestor and elder now. I'm just so grateful to her and the work that she did because she brought us and so many other people together in our community. And Maestra Sisi kind of at random handed these different candles out to us and I got, I am love. The affirmation is, I am enough as is. I am worthy and choose myself. I honor myself and my boundaries. I welcome all that is grounded in love and in my highest good. And that is so beautiful. This candle has crystals and roses and it smells amazing. And I actually haven't burned it because I'll miss it if I do. <laughs> I love having it intact. And I know I can get more. And I, I was about to say, guess what? We can get more. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll send you some. <laughs> there was actually an assignment that went with this one. So um, obviously I need to finish that one. I think it's important for community members to support our community. So you mentioned your coloring book and I'd like to do a giveaway of your coloring book for our listeners. So I'll see how that works out. I've done a giveaway before for um, Dr. Lisa's book of overcoming imposter syndrome. So I'm excited. Thank you for letting our listeners know that you have a coloring book. I'm going to go ahead and do a giveaway and may even throw in a candle. So listeners, uh, keep an eye out on the Instagram and more information will be coming soon. Yay! <laughs> One reason I invited you to be a guest on LPD Cast is because you hold several identities and can share with our listeners ways to navigate nuanced stressors. As it pertains to first-gen students, what advice can you give recent graduates about navigating imposter syndrome and self-worth as they transition into the professional landscape? You know what? Like, so long as we are in the system of capitalism, of white supremacy, for professionals like us of color, first-gen students, there will always be a sense of imposter syndrome. And it might just change in its manifestation, but that will always surface because we are in a system that upholds, you know, these type of embodied experiences, right? And so, you know, I think for me, the the biggest advice that I could give, and it's an advice that I need for myself too, because believe me, even with Dr. Patty, you know, on my name, I struggled with the same imposter syndrome because now I was saying, oh my gosh, I'm Dr. Patty and I don't have a job. <laughs> you know, like when I graduated, I didn't have a job. I didn't have an organization. Like I was straight out of, you know, getting my doctorate and I felt like such a failure for not being 10 years from now, you know? And so so for, for me, it really allowed me to see that as you transition into this new part of yourself that you're stepping into, just remember that who you are now is not who you will be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, right? And it's so unfair to us to compare ourselves with the idea of who we think we will become. And so the best thing that we can do is honor ourselves where we are in our journey. And we're allowed to experience our full spectrum of emotions, right? And it's okay if you're like, I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm here because two years ago, four years ago, this is where I wanted to be, right? I wanted to be, you know, Doctora Patti two years ago. And here I am now. And so my advice is celebrate your accomplishments. Take a pause, take a breath, come to your body. And Ilo, I think you and I are doing it together right now. We did. We <laughs> I'm like, the invitation did. is um, 
you know, sit firmly, stand firmly, feel it into your softness of your body and just take a breath in, release and notice where you are in this moment. This is the moment that you envisioned for yourself a year ago, two years ago, three, four years ago. For some of us, even since kinder, you are here, you've arrived. That's all. I think when we can come back to this present moment, it allows us to let go of all of this future thinking that we're doing, right? Of like, I'm not eight figures in already. Like what? I'm graduating and I don't have this. <laughs> so I just want to give that advice. Celebrate and be in the moment. And also, you know, as you're transitioning into your thought leadership, into the being a professional, know that you are not meant to do this alone. You deserve support. So please, you know, consider me as part of your lineage now, your network. Ask for support. It's okay. And I have to learn to ask this. You know, I do this too, where now, you know, I've pulled in my my little sister, who's actually a college student right now. And she's been helping me with Waluna because I knew that I couldn't run my organization and my brand and my consulting work. I couldn't do all of this by myself. So she helps co-create items with me. For my organization, I have MSW student consultants who are helping me build, right? And then I have mentors who I'm constantly saying like, I don't know how to do a budget. I learned about this. We practiced it, but now I have to do a budget here for my staff and I have to make these really hard decisions that ultimately show where my integrity is. Mm. And it gave me so much anxiety. This is like this week's anxiety for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I had so much imposter syndrome around, am I doing this right? And I had to let go of that last part. Am I doing it right? Because the, the right didn't matter anymore. Is, is this aligned with who I say I am? with my integrity? Am I doing this with integrity? And the answer was yes, right? I'm thinking about how do I care for everyone else and how do I create an affirming experience for everyone, including myself? Yeah, that's, that's really wonderful. And there's a lot there that does require a lot of work and energy. And that's, I think, impossible to do on our own. And learning to ask for help is a lesson that I learned also. And I had to learn how to ask for help and the actual help I needed and when I needed it. And in a way that would call people in and not do the opposite, you know, because it's a skill. I think that's a skill we need to learn to refine. Sometimes we're so used to doing things on our own or we're the support system for our families. So then we're responsible for so much that needs to be done. And it almost seems like a bad thing when we can't get something done completely by ourselves. When in reality, it's it's really stressful to constantly feel like you have to do things by yourself and feel like you can't spread out that responsibility. And as it pertains to co-creating, the people you're working with are also learning and growing too. You're actually providing opportunities for other people to bring their skills, to bring their medicine and to develop who they are. So it's actually when we bring people in, when we create an ecosystem, to borrow the word that you said, which I think is perfect for community building, we're also allowing them to do the same. And how beautiful is that, right? Mm -hmm. To do it collaboratively. Yes. When we share the work and the responsibility and the creativity, it's almost like we're building kinship and um, and creating like this safety net, if you will. People are more likely to show up with their medicine when it feels safe to do so. Mm. Yes. And I think that's kind of, that's the difference.
difference between launching a coloring book on my own versus launching a coloring book that was co-created with my team. And so if any of them wanted to launch their own coloring book, now they have, but under this like umbrella collaboration. And so that feels a lot safer and supported. Mm. And, you know, now we're all being uplifted. And so it's so beautiful. That reminds me of something that a member of our LPD cast family has mentioned before, Dr. Anita, which is our psychological safety and safety being an acronym. When we feel safe and are safe, we show up in our whole identity. And that's how we're really able to be ourselves and I think be our best selves. During the process of defending your doctorate, why was it important for you to have your altar within view? Yeah. You know, I love this question because um, it reminded me of how, you know, how I was mentioning that during my program, I struggled with maybe limitations that were being placed on, on me when I was directly naming that our society, our institutions, even our academic institutions, they have been replicating harm that is rooted in white supremacy. And that is impacting specifically Black, Indigenous folks of color. And so I would say such a bold statement, quote unquote, um, as my capstone. And I was told, you can't say that, can't say white supremacy in the midst of racial trauma that was happening. Because I'm talking, this happened after George Floyd's murder, right? Like a couple of months after. And so you see everyone posting like, Oh, collective healing, we we stand for racial equity. Mm. So for me, it was so disheartening to kind of see the ways in which, you know, it was society was being so performative, yeah. yet we're limiting my language. And again, this is language that I was using based on what the current narratives were. Right. And I think for me to then a year later, defend my doctorate, use the language that I felt honored the spirit of this work, which was being direct around how harm that is being replicated is rooted in white supremacy. Right. With my altar in the back behind me. And I remember very distinctly in the beginning, they asked me, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling well. I have my ancestors behind me. (laughs) they were like yes (laughs) yes they are you know i had i had a a panel that was mainly uh professors of color um and you know i think you know for them i imagine it was beautiful to see someone be so unapologetic you know i had my reboso on i was like We got this. Before that, I had had a very deep conversation with my ancestors. I was like, y'all put me here. I'm going to need you to see me through. (laughs) Yeah, I need you to show up right now. (laughs) I'm going to need you to show. And I really, I really did do that. I have a mentor. Her name is Dr. D. And she told me, you need to hold your ancestors to account. Hmm. She's like, you get to do that. Right. So talk to them. And tell them that they need to support you as you deliver this capstone. And I did, and I felt so confident. And, you know, the 20 minutes came and went, and I was like, I breathe, you know, I could breathe. And my professors were like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. It mattered to me for them to visually see that I'm not alone that I stand on the shoulders of my ancestors, yeah. you know, and, and I still do. And for those that this resonates with, for those who maybe are thinking about how do I start simply by acknowledging that we all have ancestors without shame, without blaming, without judgment, that's where you begin acknowledging, naming that, I have ancestors. Something that they did made it possible for me to be here. We're not going to judge what they did. 
we just know that it had to happen so that I was here. Acknowledgement and gratitude, huh? Acknowledgement, gratitude. And after that, you get to, you know, find the things that feel good for you. Thank you. It sounds like you were in ceremony with them during that time. Yes. You know, I was. (laughs) (laughs) You've mentioned that you fill gaps where you see a need, you fill that. So can you talk to us about the writing circle you created to support your cohort? What did that provide for you all? Yeah. So um, in my last year, I had been invited to attend a writing circle. And this was more of a general writing circle outside of my cohort. And it was with fellow social workers. Most of them were professors in the program. And then me. <laughs> and <laughs> Wonderful. Their, yeah. And their writing goals were, oh, I'm working on a on a new manuscript. I'm working on a book. I'm working on a chapter. And I was like, I'm working on my capstone. Um, <laughs> talk about co-creating. Talk about co-creating. And it's it was funny because I was like, you know what? I love that I get to kind of see the other writing goals outside of this program, but I need a group for for people who are in the same experience, who have the same goal so that we can, you know, support one another. And so that that really was why I created this writing circle because we had to draft and finalize our uh, capstone which was about 100 pages or so. And, you know, I'm like a master procrastinator, like most of us are. <laughs> yeah. If it was up to me, I would have left it for like the last day. Um, <laughs> and I know I didn't want to do that to myself. But I also know that that's my pattern. So for me, I created the writing circle and invited folks to be a part of it because I needed it for myself. And again, ultimately, everything that I create is because I need it. And you share it. I think that's wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of self-awareness involved in identifying our patterns, like you said, Mm -hmm. and then past that, how to create a solution, for lack of better terms, or an alternative to balance out our patterns. And I think one of the wonderful parts of the work that you do is that you create something that you can benefit from and something that you need, but you share it as well. You don't gatekeep it. You don't hoard it. You share it and you open it up to community. And I think that's what makes it all the more powerful and provides for longevity as well. Even if you yourself are out of that space, now you've influenced the people around you and shown them that they can do the same and support the people in their communities that you may not even know. Yeah. As it pertains to the intersection of spirituality and leadership, how can we integrate healing into our personal and professional relationships? You know, I think um, for me, and I'll talk from experience, for me, it has been about being able to bring these moments of self-awareness in community, right? Um, so making space for that. You know, when I speak about the the ways in which I supervise, the ways in which I coach, it is often a lot of reflecting, a lot of mirroring, and it's really a lot of making space for uh, people to name their needs. Because for many of us, that has not been allowed and that has been the source of so much wounding not being able to name or have our needs affirmed, right? And so I find that that's probably one of the ways in which I like to integrate healing. It allows me and gives me permission to also do the same, right? So I need it for me and I, and I make space for others to do the same. And I, and I do that, you know, in personal and in professional, but even when I can't meet a need simply by acknowledging that the need was made is part of what brings healing. I had an in, a student consultant who mentioned that they didn't want to work on a specific project, right? Like I, I had said, okay, everyone hands on deck. We're all going to co-create this project. And they said, uh, I don't want to work on this project 
and just period, right? And I had to unlearn the reaction of like, what do you mean you don't want to work on this project? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. your supervisor, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. I had to check myself because that was the default because that's what I've seen. Right. And so instead I had to take a breath and remember that this wasn't about me. And then I was like, thank you so much for naming your needs. Mm-hmm. And that was all I had to say. And they were affirmed by that. And they were like, oh my gosh, like our relationship has helped heal some of the wounds from other supervision yeah, or other supervisors, right? And then I had to say, so I know that you don't want to work on this project. What does support look like for you? How can you support this work? Mm-hmm. What feels good for you? So always asking them to, to share like whether it be my sister who is like, I don't have energy to work on Waluna stuff. And then I'm like, thank you for naming your needs. What what does your capacity have an energy allow for? You know, what when can you come? You know, so so it it has allowed me to really shift um the ways in which I relate with others when there is room and space for naming and affirming one another's needs, regardless of whether we can meet them or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those moments are so important when we're working on teams because meeting that statement with force will undoubtedly cause the team to splinter. And then down the road, things just continue to devolve and then end up falling apart. And when we're on a team, it's so important to allow our team members and ourselves to honor ourselves Mm -hmm. instead of going into that pattern of forcing ourselves to do something that we don't want to do. I've had these these thoughts in my mind quite a bit lately. I follow um, Latinx parenting and and chancla culture, and I'm, I'm not a parent. Something that I've observed though is even when it comes down to eating and meals and or forcing our kids to do things that they don't want to do, essentially we're training them to not honor themselves. Mm -hmm. And then when they're in friendships, when they're in relationships, when they're in school, when they're in class, when they're at work, they're not going to have the discernment or the know-how of how to honor themselves. They're going to be used to forcing themselves to do things they don't want. And that's how we end up in relationships that aren't equitable, That's how we end up in friendships where we're constantly used or we're the butt of the joke all the time or we're expected to show up for people and they don't reciprocate, but we're used to not honoring ourselves. And I've really been ruminating on the damage that we do to our kids when even forcing them to eat things they don't like or want, you know, the damage that we do to our kids when we forcefully shut them down or when we forcefully take them somewhere or when we forcefully tell them to have relationship with family members who they don't want to do that with. Mm -hmm. So I think it's wonderful and very accurate when you say that in those moments of allowing and giving space for people to be honest and then honoring what they say, you really are healing who knows how many moments that they've had to do that, who knows how many years that they felt this burden of having to either fight to advocate for themselves or shutting down Mm -hmm. and you're doing that in one moment you're allowing for all of this healing to happen that's beautiful yeah thank you so much that's a hundred percent exactly like what like all of those moments um i think for for the team for my team my current team it's given them permission to also honor themselves right both the no's the yes and the in-betweens. And we do that in community. So I, as the, like the, the lead, as the founder, I have to model that for myself and for everyone around me, right? Yeah. And so it's been beautiful to kind of, to see folks even just affirm that witnessing that was healing for them. Yes, that's yeah. wonderful. Are there any organizations you're a part of that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I have, you know, a lot of 
organizations that I support and that I love to uplift. Um, but one in particular is for folks that are interested in maybe doing more of this work. And in particular, uh, the Shinachli rites of passage work. And so, like I mentioned earlier, the, this is an Indigenous-based uh, rites of passage curriculum. And it's meant to be implemented with youth. So if you're someone who loves working with youth and would like to be trained, you can follow shenaturallygirls.com. You can go to the website and get to know more about this program. It is a program I used to write about in my master's program um, and in my doctorate. And to now, you know, have the curriculum author as my mentor as someone who is like investing in me in all the ways, it feels so good. So I just want to uplift that and, and kind of put it on your radar for anyone that wants to do that work for themselves and for their community. Wow, talk about a full circle moment and such a rewarding feeling that must be. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm always like, really? I get to do this work? Like, I'm excited. <laughs> If our listeners want to learn more about Wild Luna Botanicals and Colibri, where should they go? Yeah, so we have a couple of social media pages. So for Wild Luna Botanicals, it's Wild Luna underscore Botanicals. And for Colibri, it's Colibri, K-L-B-R-I underscore Institute. And so I know LPD will provide all of these (laughs) for you all. Um, But we also have websites, so you can go to www.wildlunabotanicals.com and or you can go to www.klbri.org so please join us and if you want to um, just connect with me you can also find me on Instagram as Ramirez. thank you so much and I'll absolutely link that information in the show notes for our listeners Bati, what are you most proud of? Hmm. (laughs) That's a beautiful question. It's so hard to just pick one thing. Yeah. But you know what? Like, if if I could be 100% raw and honest, it would be coming back home to myself and just being in practice with that is what I'm most proud of because even you sharing about, like, the ways in which maybe the environments that we grew up in or the environments that we existed in and the lack of consent and the lack of um, dignity mm-hmm. have caused many of us to live disembodied and fragmented and in a state of perpetual not dishonor, but, you know, for many of us, it surfaces as shame, as guilt, as resentment. And for me to be able to have gone through all of these different things and to now be in a journey of coming back home to myself each and every time, it's something I'm so proud of because for a long time, I, I did everything imaginable to, one, escape, outsource my healing right yeah and just avoid and hide from from the work um so anywho i'm i'm proud of that and and i thank you all for holding space for me for that that's so beautiful thank you for sharing that and being so honest um that resonates so much i'm inclined to ask how long were you away for Hmm, that's a beautiful question too. Damn, I want to say um, it's hard to know how um, when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born fighting for my life, and I haven't stopped since. I was a preemie baby at six months, wow. and so I haven't quite processed what the trauma of my birth Mm. has impacted. Right. But I've been away for as long as I can remember. And I just came back. Maybe I just started the process of coming back. I want to say, like, see, 
maybe four years ago. Wow. Yeah. I ask because hearing you put it in that way illuminated so much about my own experience as well. And even your answer of it's hard to tell resonates so much because for me, it was like single digits as far as age is concerned. And I'm still in the process of even learning how to come back into myself and being comfortable and being inside. And like you said, not outsourcing that healing, making space for me to figure it out and be happy with it some days and uncomfortable with it most other days. So thank you for being so candid and being so honest because I know that you're speaking to so many people right now who are going to feel more whole after our conversation. Mm -hmm. What last words do you have for our listeners? Yes. For those of of us, no matter when you tuned in, the last words that I would love to to share with you all is welcome back. Welcome back home. This is a start. Thank you so much, Dr. Patty, for being here with us today. I'm so grateful and want to take this moment to thank Maestra Sisi because the work she did is legacy work. And even though she transitioned and she's now an ancestor, her legacy continues through us and this heart medicine continues through us. So thank you to her. Thank you to Dee who remains. And thank you to you so much for making time and for being here with us today and sharing all of the wonderful knowledge of wisdom that you have. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all who are joining us in this beautiful platica. I hope that it resonates with you. That was my conversation con la doctora Patti Ramirez. As mentioned in the episode, I'll be doing a giveaway of the Color with Colibri coloring book. This healing-centered coloring book for leaders and advocates is beautiful and features over 40 pages of affirmations, coloring pages, and exercises that guide you to reflect, meditate, and heal. The approach of the Colibri Institute focuses on an ecosystem of care, healing-centered leadership, and holistic wellness. Quote, Colibri's methodology, philosophy, and approach centers in a relational worldview that is grounded in traditional ancestral and cultural healing modalities and social justice. It calls for a paradigm shift from a dominant Western model of leadership development and training, individual healing, coping, and self-care, to a culturally relevant framework that incorporates Eastern and Western traditions with indigenous healing, intergenerational and collective healing, transformative leadership development, ecosystems of care, and social change. To enter the drawing, head over to our LPD Cast Instagram page at LPDCAST or my personal page at Loichi. That's at L O I I C H I. Tag a friend on the giveaway post or share the giveaway post to your IG story. It's that simple. The winner will be announced on May 25th, 2022, so you have plenty of time. For more information about the Colibri Institute, visit colibri.org. That's K-L-B-R-I dot Also be sure to visit wildlunabotanicals.com to support La Doctora Patti and purchase truly wonderful products. You'll find high quality candles, soaps, jewelry, tea, and so much more. All artisanal, intention-based, and powerful. That's wildlunabotanicals.com. Also mentioned in this episode is Sinachli Girls. Quote, the Sinachli program and curriculum is a cultural and gender-specific rites of passage program developed by Sarah Haskey Mendoza. The curriculum recognizes the value of cultivating the capacity of those who are most impacted by systemic inequities as they are the closest to the situation. In doing so, Sinachli supports interested districts, 
communities, and organizations to fill a significant gap in culturally competent services to families and communities of color. End quote. To learn more about Sinachli, visit sinachlygirls.com. That's X I N A C H T L I G I R L S.com. LPD Cast is produced by me, your host, Eloy Garcia. I hope you found value in my plática con la doctora Patti Ramirez. I truly appreciate your support, dear listeners. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>